everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk all about it. Just a quick reminder, the reminder we give you every time, this isn't a spoiler-free podcast, so there may be something we bring up that comes up in a future episode of Felicity as we're talking about this one, but it's still a fun time, so stick with us if you're okay with spoilers. So I am Melissa, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? I am great today. This is uh, this is definitely a fun one. Yeah, this this was a fun one. Which one was it, you may ask? Well, we watched season one, episode 11, called Gimme an O. This one originally aired January 19th, 1999. And it was written by Jennifer Levin. And the director was Tom Moore. The description was, Felicity returns from winter break and tells Noel she wants to have sex, an endeavor that brings about much scheduling, research, and preparation. Julie dreads telling Felicity about her new bond with Ben, and Elena wonders how to use a gift from Blair. They they went around the horn on that one. They kind of covered a little bit of everything, and normally I throw it over to you first, but I just wanted to point out to get us kicked off here because the summary sort of took me there. So Felicity comes back from winter break. And, you know, this was also the show coming back from winter break. Just looking at it, there was about a month between when the last episode of Finally and this episode of Gimme an O when it actually aired. And so Felicity comes back with this intention to have sex with Noel, which involved the following steps of that process. And I have written them down here just to get us started off. So step one, inform Noel. Step two, get tested, specifically heat to get tested. Step three, go to the bookstore. Step four, scheduling with an actual day planner. Step five, go to health services, inquire about birth control. Step six, sexy underwear. Step seven, failed seduction. Step eight, reschedule. Step nine, get time off work. Step 10, fail again. Step 11, decide not to. (laughs) What do you think, Fish? Does that pretty well sum it up? How do you feel about the 11-step process that ended in not having sex? (laughs) I, oh man, I think, I, I like the fact that you used the word feel. Um, because what I picked up on was there was a lot of thinking, uh, and, and the intro, the, the summary description kind of alludes to that, where it's talking about research and scheduling. And this is so in Felicity's head Uh and it is just not working out because it's completely disconnected from anything she's actually feeling. Um, And I think it leads to a lot of awkward moments. What do you think, let's unpack that. What do you think she is actually feeling behind all this research and scheduling and advice getting and advice rejecting? (laughs) (laughs) But beyond all of that, what do you think she is actually feeling here? Well, 
I think she's probably nervous, but I think she's trying to put away her feelings by overanalyzing it, Mm. by having this process, by going through research. She's actually making sure that she's not examining her own feelings because if she did, then, you know, it, it would probably be just the nerves that she has this sort of disconnected feeling apparently she has from the entire human race. And um, I don't, I don't know how she would be feeling about Noel because she still has conflicted feelings with Ben and Noel. So she had, I feel like she spent two solid weeks. First of all, who gets two weeks off for Thanksgiving and then Christmas? I mean, isn't Thanksgiving like four days, maybe? No, I thought that they had, because the guy Lewis from the dorm said he was going to be away for five days. So I didn't think that was that big a break. But then when she was talking about winter break, she said for the first two weeks, she was fine. And then she got a ping to come back to New York. So my interpretation was that it was a longer break than two weeks, but after two weeks, she hit her boiling point and was like, okay, I'm done with Palo Alto now. I want to be back at school. Um, so that was my interpretation of the timing. I, I forgot this was winter break. I thought it was the Thanksgiving break. See, that's the thing because they didn't have an actual, uh, holidays episode, which to me, I like because it makes sense because when you're in college, you're usually not there for the holidays. I mean, if you're, maybe if you're an international student, like I told you guys last time um, in our school for the athletes who were winter athletes, we would come back, but we would still get about a two week break, um, you know, basically to cover roughly Christmas and New Year's. And then we would come right back. So the we won't get a Christmas or Hanukkah or holiday episode for this show in this season. You might not ever. Um, But they went, they did a Thanksgiving episode. They did a finals episode and then they come back here and, you know, the holidays have happened. So this was a holiday break. Got it. So it was probably more like a month, which is so much time for Felicity to be in her own head and she's back in Palo Alto. She's with her family. She's not probably having the best time with them. You know, I, it didn't seem like she had a ton of friends in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm thinking she spent a lot of time walking herself through this. Mm -hmm. And so first of all, I do wonder, why she didn't just go to a bookstore or the library in Palo Alto. Uh Apparently that was not part of the plan, but I feel like she had exactly what you say. She had a plan coming into this. She, she'd made a decision and then she just thought about it. And in no part of that plan was uh, step one, decide if I'm ready. Uh Step two, discuss with partner yeah like the these things did not come up and it was so weird that she had these conversations with elena and i just want to call up with julie yeah Mm -hmm. with elena with julie 
with Javier, with the lady at the bookstore. I mean, she's telling everybody. Um, and none of those people bring it up. They're all just like, yeah, I mean, you should be doing this. Great. Um, sounds good. Nobody asks her, are you ready for this? Even Noel. I mean, he does say, like, are you sure before, you know, his eyes pop out of his face and, yeah. you know, he does that like, oh, got look um, <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the episode. Yes. For the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, but he, he's the only one that actually asks her and talks to her about this and Clearly, that's very difficult for him to do, and he kicks himself for it later. Yeah, I mean, he's but, he's not exactly impartial in this mm-mm. situation. So he's, yeah. he, he, I don't know that he wants, especially in the beginning of this episode, to give her time to unpack her feelings about it in case her feelings end up resulting in them not having sex. But it is interesting, her choice of words when she approaches him, she says, I've decided that you and I should have sex. This should not be how it starts. (laughs) I don't care who you are. (laughs) This is a very one-sided decision. And granted, Noel is a willing participant in this endeavor, but uh, that doesn't feel like the way to get to this conclusion. Apparently it, was i mean it it didn't take any more than that for him i had written down oh so romantic um after she said that uh what it did result in was uh the very unfortunate damaging of the new blue (sighs) imac all right that huge huge imac um which noel did attempt to fix using the material that fix all and no it's not just tape i mean (laughs) it's duct tape it was duct tape everything some people wear whole prom dresses made out of it shoes i mean yeah it's uh some pretty sturdy stuff there so i thought that was that was a good idea i have a few uh, this imac this was important there were a few little things that happened in this episode around this that i enjoyed first of all this was the first time the imac got dropped the second time the imac got dropped was when guy brings it back in later in the episode during the failed first seduction where three guys plow into noel's room and, you know, Felicity and Noel are in the middle of whatever it is is really happening in that room. <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. Uh, she's being very aggressive and she's trying to move very quickly. These three guys walk in, guys carrying the iMac and drops it a second time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, after he apparently went to his guy, who knows how to fix Apple devices. So I don't know what this poor iMac did to deserve this. Uh, I feel like we needed some sort of a disclaimer at the end of the episode, like no iMacs were harmed in the making of this um, episode. Clearly an iMac was harmed it was. in it the was making of this episode. The other I thing I loved is that a couple of these scenes that Noel's having where he's having deep discussion, he's holding things. 
And he doesn't sort of drop them. Like that whole first scene with Felicity where he's holding the iMac. And then later Julie comes into the room and he's just picked up and is holding a whole bunch of laundry for half the conversation. And uh, I just thought this guy doesn't know what to do with himself right now. <laughs> and then he kind of throws it on the ground and sits on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's having the rest of the conversation. Um, so maybe we can just back up and mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's so many things to talk about. Um, all right. So we can go through your list. So she informs, she makes a decision and she informs Noel, which mm-hmm. goes pretty well. I mean, he seems excited. Mm-hmm. Very I actually want to stop excited. down on this a little bit longer too, because there's, uh, and this is something I want to make a comment about. Um, yes, she informs Noel. Before that, we get a whole conversation she's having, I guess, with Sally on a tape where she's looking around the cafeteria and she's saying, oh, this may seem like a surprise to you that I want to have sex with Noel. But I've been thinking about this for quite a long time. I look around at all the people that I'm seeing and they all seem to be having sex. And so she starts looking around the cafeteria and then there's this scene that I, I guess is meant to be playful or comedic where she's kind of looking at different specific people, strangers in the cafeteria saying, oh, she has sex all the time. She has sex with him. They have sex together. Like she's making assessments about everybody else. And then she closes it with, all of these people are having sex and I'm not. And I think for me, this is a really important, maybe the most important concept they get out in this episode uh, in terms of both what they say and what they don't. And when I think about this, it's sort of sad to me because this is a very common feeling. Uh, I mean, I don't know how it is for guys, but I know that that pressure for women to have sex for that first time. Uh, You may be feeling pressure from your partner. You may be feeling pressure from the world at large or what you think everybody else is doing. And really none of that has anything to do with whether you are ready or not. Like you were saying earlier, we haven't really addressed whether Felicity feels ready, but she thinks everybody else is doing it. So I probably should be too. And that's where the pressure seems to be coming from. But when I think about my own college experience, I know a lot of people who were virgins going into college and many who were virgins coming out of college. So it is not really true that every single person is having sex and it doesn't matter if they are. Um, So this is a really interesting line to me. It shows that her intentions are coming from a place that has nothing to do with how she feels and what she needs and is more based on a peer pressure she's inventing. So on the one hand, it's not real, but on the other hand, this happens so commonly, this is something so many people feel that it becomes real because we put it into the universe. So I wanted to look at that first, or at least just mention it to you. because this prompts her to inform Noel, but it's just not being self-generated. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely societal pressure. I guess is it's probably even more so for guys. And, you know, she's she's feeling, I guess, a little 
alienated, which is interesting. And I don't have the exact studies, but I remember reading these studies where, you know, people were asked in different age groups. So in high school, in early parts of college and later parts of college, how many people they thought were having sex and then whether they were. And the results came out as basically everyone thought everybody else was having sex, but it really was a much smaller percent. I mean, in high school, I think it was, I don't know, maybe 30 to 40. I mean, it goes up, up and down over the years. But the other thing um, that we have is I think the definition of sex has kind of changed over the years. I think in in the 90s and even up until fairly recently, you know, the idea of you're not a virgin anymore unless you have penetration of some sort. And it seems like, at least with the new generations, um, that that isn't necessarily like the end all be all. Uh, and you get to kind of define it any way you want. So is it the first time you have an orgasm? Is it, you know, the first time, you know, that you maybe do anal? Is it, you know, it it all depends on you and your partner. And it's not something that is so binary uh, as it used to be. That's kind of interesting because I remember in high school, maybe even college, yeah, high school and college, having philosophical discussions about what constituted hooking up. Um, I mean, that term is widely used, but meant differently by pretty much everybody who uses it. So I think it's the kind of thing where you need to get the definition of it from the person who's telling you the story and then remember their definition as you move forward in life. So that term had a lot of wiggle room. Uh, whether it included kissing, whether it didn't include kissing, whether it was as much as sex, whether it was not. So hooking up had a lot of variability, but the, or variation, I don't know. I may, I might've made up a word there. Who knows? We're doing anything we want here. We run this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Variability is a word today. Okay, folks. It is is a word all the time. Okay. Is is it? Definitely a word. (laughs) Okay, good. It just sounded so wrong when I said it. I got really self-conscious. Hey guys, don't don't let your interpretation of other people's <laughs> norms influence you, um, including when you're using words like variability. Uh, so there's a lot of variation there, but I feel like sex was just sex and meant anything that involved penetration. So it's interesting well, to hear that uh... new generations might have a different take. Well, and then there's the whole, you know, Clinton controversy where he says, you know, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, but she gave him a blowjob. So and then he got, um, he actually got impeached based on the fact that they considered that a lie. So, you know, everyone's got their own definitions. Now, coming from California, it was, it was very weird uh, because in high school and in California, hooking up like just means hanging out. Like I'm gonna hook up with some friends. Mm-hmm. Means I'm gonna go see some friends and hang out. So 
I was using that very incorrectly when I went to college outside of California and everyone just kept giving me these weird looks. Mm -hmm. I was like, you want to hook up later? And they're like, uh, all of us. I think there are traps like that in every language. I remember. So there was a while where I was working in Italy and I had a friend who I had many friends who were Italian, uh, some of whom I was closer to than others. And there was this one who I can't remember. I was in a, it was three people in a conversation, me, my friend, and this other girl who was talking about how excited she was to see this guy. And she used a term for excited, but in romance languages and in Italian, and I believe in Spanish, there's a word that sounds like it means excited, like eccitata, uh, uh, or ex- like th- there, are, there are words that sound like they should mean excited and they do, but they mean sexually excited. And there's another word that means excited, but not sexually excited. And this girl was using the word for sexually excited when she was talking about, you know, seeing this person. And my Italian friend went, who is this guy? And (laughs) (laughs) it was just so funny. She was just, she just, you know, it, it was that perfect blend of cultural confusion that led to a brilliant moment and we all kind of knew what was happening my italian friend was a little more confused um because she really had this other person really had misused the word but i think there are these traps that we plant in various languages (laughs) to maybe purposely create this sort of uncertainty and uh comedic moments and friendships yeah i feel like it was done on purpose it's just proof that well, one of many, many situations that are proof that God has a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if we go back, so we were kind of looking at that list and inform was step yeah. one. Inform. Mm-hmm. And Noel was very excited. And then was step two, get tested? Step two was get tested, which was Felicity suggesting that Noel get tested because she doesn't need to, she hasn't had sex. So she, uh, she knows that, that Noel had a relationship with Hannah. I don't know if they've had more conversation than that about relationships or if he's had more experience than that, but she suggests that he get tested for HIV, which I think is really boiling it down to its simplest. I'm just going to give you one thing on this list, but there are so many things you could get tested for here. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he didn't, it doesn't seem like he, well, no, I guess he did go get tested, but maybe he didn't wait for the results because he had a blood donor card Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let someone donate blood if they had HIV. Although I do kind of wonder, I think they test the blood after. Um, But since I was living and working in Africa for a while, I know that I couldn't donate blood for I mean it was like seven or ten years or something like that um and I also uh the whole time that I was there I uh, had to get blood tests uh because I'd been um I'd shown up as uh, having TB Mm -hmm. and so I was on this medication where you had to um get liver tests the whole time and so I guess a combination of living and working in Africa and having needles stuck in you multiple times and 
for the record, the needles back then in Africa were gigantic. And by the next time they had to stick me, I'd finally healed from the last time. Mm -hmm. Not cool. Um, But I had to get multiple HIV tests when I got back. So, I mean, I feel like there are just a lot of reasons to get tested. HIV is one of them, but he probably shouldn't have just used his blood donor card. Um, yeah, there, the, there really were a litany of other possible things that he could be concerned about there or that Felicity could be concerned about. I guess, I don't know if that wasn't as much the conversation back in 1999. Uh, yeah, I mean, HIV was a much bigger deal back then. I mean, you know, starting in the 80s and 90s, that's when it hit and we didn't really have um, you know, the, the, I can't say it correctly, the antiretrovirus, is that right? Mm-hmm. ART. Um, we, we just didn't have sort of that, uh, it was like a three pill cocktail and it wasn't as effective, uh, as it is today. So, I mean, that, yeah, that no was question really about it. Deal. There were shows that had HIV and AIDS storylines that were very prominent at, around that time. Uh, and for good reason, because that was a serious health consideration still, and it was then. And there were also, I'm sure, other STDs to contend with. So this show didn't choose to talk about any of those things. They really singled out HIV, which... Given how much education they packed into this episode while still making it funny, which was sort of amazing to me, I feel like they would have done a service for people to say HIV and other STDs and maybe let people do their research on that if maybe it just wasn't that much of a consideration at that time to think about anything but HIV. Or maybe HIV was so prominent in the discussion that it just really did overshadow everything else at the time. But no ruling like out HIV is. isn't the only thing. Yeah, I do feel like it was the second thing that, you know, that was a that was enough of a buzzword to make people get tested mm-hmm. for all the other things as well. Yeah. Um, but today, yeah, I mean, we don't even have, I don't think at the time they really had much of a discussion about HPV, mm. which you know, Felicity could have picked up. So, I mean, it's kind of a, anyway. Yeah, yes. there's a lot, lot to that. Basically what we're saying, folks, don't just get tested for one STD. Just just yeah. do everything you can, right? Yeah. Take the, the whole shebang. Um, then we move on to step three. Well, before we move on to step three, though, I love the little interlude scene. Once Noel is, uh, he's, he's feeling good about himself. Mm-hmm. He's excited. He walks up to talk to Ben with a new swagger. Yeah. Like he really wants to tell Ben what's going to happen. But he feels he, like he's yeah. got one up on Ben here. Yeah, he, he feels his equal at least, even though he doesn't get invited to the party mm-hmm. very rudely not invited to the invite only party it's not going to bother him you know why why because he's gonna have sex with felicity that's exactly it yeah he's got a secret 
that only he needs to know. And he feels that he is better than Ben today. And Ben is mystified by this and (laughs) Noel's being really weird and sketchy. I thought Scott Foley played that brilliantly. He just, his whole face, he's just like, yeah, you know, that stranger coming up to you and inviting you to a party, but not me. Ah, That would have bothered me yesterday. (laughs) Ben's like, why? What happened? Uh, <laughs> it's so great. And, and Noel's just being a jerk, but he's, you know, we love this jerk. Um, <laughs> he's just so excited and he always feels so inferior. So just give it to him. But it does there. You can see there are little blows to his confidence really as this conversation is happening when he walks, when that conversation ends, I'm not sure that he really feels as high on himself as he did at the start of it. You know, it's like, eh, it's not a big deal to me. I don't care. But you do know that it's just sort of chipped away. <laughs> a, little bit. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, but you know, he's holding on to this. I am going to have sex with Felicity and that, that is the important thing. here. Yes. I'm not going to worry about all this other stuff. I don't need more affirmations that Ben's a God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what did he say in the last episode? Uh, something about nightmare. Mm, unrequited nightmare. Uh, yes, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. The this unrequited the nightmare. Encyclopedic knowledge we've developed at this point, folks. Fish <laughs> <laughs> says nightmare. I say unrequited nightmare, and we've got the whole phrase. Teamwork. Yep, this is it, the Melissa and Fish show. So that was a great moment. And then we go to step three. Research. Yep, and that was going to the bookstore, Mm -hmm. having a very loud conversation with a woman at the bookstore who wanted to help Felicity. Yeah, uh, I, I was, I guess maybe... For the rating of the show, this couldn't happen, but I I was a little surprised that she went to a bookstore and not a sex shop. Um, But okay, sure. I don't know if Felicity would have been comfortable with that. I think that she, she understands book academic research that does feel like more of her wheelhouse. That's what she's always done. I don't know if she had it in her to go to a sex shop. Yeah, maybe not at that point, but I don't know. I just feel like maybe books aren't the way to go, but the lady, you know, she was happy to to help her out. And I do have a, a sad story to tell everyone. Uh-oh. So the book that was actually given to Felicity, Gimme an O, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. It's not a real book. And the reason I know this is because I went online And I looked at a book called Gimme an O, and I went to page 46, and there was nothing kind of sexy about it. Certainly nothing that warrants uh, selling Felicity on the idea of buying the book with page 46, and definitely nothing that would suggest that would be Megan's favorite book in eighth grade because of that page. No, I mean, especially Megan. I Mm -hmm. mean, you got to impress her. And... Yeah, it was uh, the book that I found by the same name was published in 2007. So clearly not the same book. And if anyone has found this book, please contradict me. I would love to know that it's real. But as of right now, it's not 
It's not a real book. Sorry, there is no page 46. Ah. Well, that feels that feels like it lines up with other things JJ Abrams has done, <laughs> giving us numbers that mean nothing and making them seem really important. Um, he's done that in other shows. It's fair for that to happen here in a slightly different way. But yeah, Felicity goes about this process. She she's got the book smarts or she wants it. She's gonna buy, give me, give me no. And that brings us to step four, which mm-hmm. is scheduling. And I think this is where it all changed because to me, well, first of all, that whole conversation between Felicity and Nola, they're they trying to set an actual appointment time in her agenda for no, no. sex. She, and she was trying to set a time. He was no. game for anything. He's yeah. like, can we do no, it now? was just like now. Yeah. Tonight, <laughs> tomorrow, the next day. That seems about ago. right. Yeah. <laughs> that lines up with what I understand of his enthusiasm about this. Uh, she wants to, she doesn't want to rush it. And for her, that means wait a day. A um, couple days. I mm-hmm. mean, not tonight, not tomorrow, not now. She's but got stuff Wednesday. Going on. Yep, Wednesday. So I feel like it was, it was like waiting two days. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, when she walks out of that room and you see her face, I think that was the moment it really dawned on her. Like, I agree that she was thinking, not feeling this whole time. I agree that she hadn't really unpacked how she feels about it all. But when she's walking out of his room and she looks back down at the book and she sees Noel sex eight (laughs) o'clock written down for Wednesday, it lands differently for her in that moment. She really feels the pressure in that walking away from his room. And I think it all comes unglued after that. Yeah, I definitely saw that on her face. Uh, I guess the way I saw it was it was probably one of a number of times that she had actually thought about it for a little while. And then she just tries to cram it back down mm. and like move forward and power through, as she's been saying. So um, I feel like that's also why she kind of attacked him. You know, she just... <laughs> Mm -hmm. she's got her mindset she is a goal-oriented gal Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the power through idea feels like what she was doing and feels like the wrong way to approach this on the whole I don't think many people would disagree with you Mm -hmm. well so she they do this scheduling and then she does the next step she goes to health services or some guy in some office and what is up with health services being a guy yeah. And just one. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but that diagram, not diagram, that model that he pulls out. So, not true to size. I mean, in my experience, but I have heard <laughs> from others that, uh, that that is a, a bit of an overestimation for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess they weren't going for lifelike. They were really going for fu- function over form in this situation, making sure she knows how to put on a condom. Uh, it, that was just, this is one of those scenes, I guess they did it throughout this episode. They packed in so much education mm-hmm. and still somehow made it felicity, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> 
that you were meant to walk away from that as if you were with a lot of knowledge about the process, whether you had it already or didn't. They were trying to inform you. But then we get this whole thing where Felicity has this aside where she's like, oh, this reminds me of that time I worked in the ice cream shop and I was scooping ice cream all day. And then I didn't want any ice cream later in the day when my dad would ask me, is that what this is like for you, guy who's showing me how to put a condom on a fake model? I mean, (laughs) yeah, he says no. But I feel like when he goes home at night, he probably, you know, is sick of putting condoms on you know, pieces of like random models. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that this is not the same thing. It's not like he's a, a gigolo. Yeah. And then he's like sick of it when he gets home. I mean, he's not even a like a gynecologist. You know, he's some guy sitting in the health counselor's office, mm-hmm. a really low budget health counselor's office. Yeah. Yeah, what a job. I wonder what kind of dreams he has at night. I mean, I'm not going to say. Uh, but also, did she not get any sex ed, like in high school? Because this is definitely something we did in high school. We did and not cover this. Really? We talked about women's menstrual cycles. I honestly, we we looked at anatomy charts and diagrams but huh. I can't remember ever having this type of conversation in school. Oh man, we had uh, one of the female gym teachers come in and they had separated it out, you know, girls and guys separately. Um, but later we had to do another one where we were together and it was just so painful uh, because she came in and she used a banana and then she told us like how wonderful the sex was with her husband and then she got into like all the different wonderful flavors of lube and i don't know i don't remember how old i was i mean maybe like 13 14 and and then when i went home you know i relay this story to my parents and then my mom goes off on how wonderful flavored lube is. And I'm just like, I mean, this is the best sex ed course ever because I do not ever want to have sex after hearing all this. Well, maybe that was the move. I don't know. I I have no idea what the right way is to do this. And I have never studied what the right way is to do this. It's got to be somewhere between what happened with you and what happened for me. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, nobody ever talked to me about this stuff. <laughs> I was left to my own devices completely. And, uh, you know, I guess eventually it became friends talking to me about yeah. their experiences. And I guess that's really probably how you learn the most. Um, in a way, I don't know if that's where adults would want you to learn, but if adults don't want you to learn that way, then they need to get their acts together. (laughs) Well, and they need to tell you in a way that doesn't traumatize you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, oh, it's a complicated topic. I don't pretend to be an expert on how to share it with people who are being initiated, but I feel that it can be done better than it was done for you or me. (laughs) Yes. And, and I appreciate their effort in the show to educate. Um, 
they did not do anything. They didn't say anything about condoms not being 100% effective. So mm-hmm. maybe she shouldn't have sex until the pill kicks in and you have two methods of birth control. Uh, I just remember the scene. I just love the scene from Friends when Joey finds out the condoms aren't 100% effective and mm-hmm. freaks out and says, they should put that on the box. I think Rachel hands it to him and says, they do. It's right here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my goodness, and runs out of the room probably to call, you know, six or 700 women <laughs> to see if he has a child at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so much to say about this topic, especially, you know, when you really think about all the different things they explored with the many steps that Felicity went through in one episode, had they tried to pack all of that knowledge in, I I don't know if we would have gotten a Felicity episode. I think we would have gotten Felicity characters giving you sex ed. Um, So I think they had to find a balance here. They gave a lot of information. Uh, I think we're pointing out some of the things that are between the lines. Yeah, if by this point, you know, you you haven't learned any of this stuff and you, you know, didn't you, know, you didn't learn it through this episode of Felicity, we're just here as an extra resource to fill in some of the gaps. Well, and I also think um, you know, I wish I would have seen if I could find this from our listener feedback. Maybe I'll be able to find it later, but I know uh, one person uh, had told us that they're planning on watching Felicity with her, with her daughter as a means of starting conversations. And I think that's a really smart way to like TV and movies, especially if you've edited as a parent and you know, maybe how you want to let that lead into a conversation. I think that can be a really interesting starting point, especially if it's a show where there are characters you feel familiar with. You know, if you both feel like you really have a connection to the character and that's playing the scene, and then they start telling you important information, I think it can be an easier entry point for having discussions like this Um, that, you know, it wasn't my experience that anybody did it that way with me, but I can see how that would, that would facilitate the types of conversations that you'd want to have. And it seems to me that this show gave a, planted a lot of topics that would be great for discussions. Yeah, and I guess if you watched it, maybe one season per year, that might make sense. I I do think maybe binging seasons one through four, if I just remember it being a lot more grown up by season four, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess it would kind of depend on the age of your of your kid. It depends on when you start too, right? I think that the first two seasons in particular deal with a lot of stuff that you may want to unpack together with a kid, but yeah, you're right. Seasons three, seasons four, they kind of move past some of those educational moments and they get more into story-driven plot. And um, yeah, I think they're not dealing with as many of these moments as they get further along. So the teachable moments, I think, came more in seasons one and two. Yeah, sounds about right. And uh, in terms of teachable moments, for those that didn't know, Amazon wasn't a thing. 
and mm. uh, we had to shop by catalog. Yeah. And that brings that us to sexy Felicity. underwear. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is what Felicity was doing. She was looking at a catalog. I don't know where she got the catalog. I was just thinking that because there's, she could physically walk into a store. That was one option or there was buying by catalog, but usually you had to be on the list to get the catalog. And I can't imagine she was on the Victoria's secret list before, mm -hmm. but she's got a catalog in front of her and she wants to order the Patricia bra. I mean, maybe she stole it from Megan considering Megan seems to think that a bra is a shirt. Yes. I noticed that too. Boy, Megan makes an impact. She does. <laughs> she there she is in her bra with a light shawl over part of the top of it, uh -huh. but really not. <laughs> More like a just one of those little half wraps that kind of covers the top part of your back. And there she is saying, I heard about your plan to bone the RA. <laughs> <laughs> and she says she heard it from the guy in the mail room. The mail room. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, another point for Felicity in Megan's book. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's becoming cooler. Well, you know, Megan, Megan's proud of her in this moment, I would say, but still thinks she's far inferior and has a long way to go as a human but she's proud of the steps that felicity is making yeah uh, all right yeah, and then so we get to a wonderful scene try number one try number one which you know first of all uh it's a comedy of errors in so many ways. But the first thing that I noticed in this scene that I've never noticed before is that, you know, Felicity walks into the room. She tries to put the blinders on that Elena encouraged her, you know, the be the ball, yes. you know, just focus, get in the groove, be the ball. Felicity does that right outside Noel's room. And then she charges into the room, starts aggressively making out with him. Like we're making this thing happen right now. It's eight o'clock on Wednesday and you are in my agenda for 15 minutes or however long, I don't know. And she pushes him up against a set of lockers. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen this before. Why does he have lockers in his room? Why does he have a giant American flag? Yeah. The more I feel like we need to stop the we just need to get an episode where we're just stopping and looking around his room to find every single thing that makes no sense, because at least the stuff in Megan's side of the room makes complete sense. It's all mm -hmm. weird. It's all on theme. It's all on point. Noel's room. What is happening? No, I, I mean, remember, we found that weird photo of look like some sort of maybe military serviceman yeah. in black and white well, i don't know where that went yeah i there, there just seems to be way too much real estate in his room to put all this stuff up and and no reason why it's there no reason why it's there it's like the set designers they had a plan for everybody else and then they just said we got to just fill this room yeah. what do we have yeah. <laughs> they just started putting things in it lockers in his room uh yeah and so there she is attacking him in a way yes. that he doesn't really like yeah. <laughs> and then she throws him onto the bed onto a hairbrush which hurts which him. also 
why does he have a purple hairbrush on his bed, which he had clearly made and he was lighting candles. Where did this hairbrush come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I There's just, so many questions that I have in this scene that have nothing to do on. with the actual scene. Yeah. And then of course we have our memory that Christmas happened, which was he had taken the Christmas tree earlier in the episode from a couple of roommates who were fi- Richard and his roommate had been fighting over this Christmas tree. This Christmas tree was dead as a doornail and brown and a huge fire hazard. And it is, it is labeled as such by Noel at the start of the episode that it is a fire hazard. And then it's still a point of contention because if you throw out the tree, it's a hex on this other guy's family. So Noel rips off one little piece of the tree gives it to the guy who doesn't want the hex on his family and sends them on their way, but keeps the tree in his room. How many days has it been now? It's been multiple days. I mean, I think it's been two, right? Because he was getting the tree as Felicity came to tell him they were going to have sex. And now they are attempting to have sex on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it was Monday. So he's just been happy to have a fire hazard in his room. I mean, it's not easy to dispose of a tree. Well, it's pretty easy. You just put it outside. Okay. All right. So then you've proven me wrong. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give him some slack here, but nope. 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 We don't no. buy it. Yeah, I just don't think he cared about the tree. I mean, he would have been happy for it to be in the room, not in the room. At that moment in time, he really just wanted to talk to Felicity, couldn't care less about Richard and the stupid tree, but he had to give in to him because Richard may think he's a bad RA and then report him for seeing Felicity, who he now wants to have sex with. It all comes back. Yeah, it does all come back. And it's just so unfortunate. And yeah. we see, you know, she she's so like into it. And I don't know if into it's the right word, but she's into it isn't really moving. the right thing because into it suggests she's excited about having sex. And she just yeah. well, I think Noel says something about feeling like it's being televised. Like she just yeah. is extremely uh calculating and focused and what's the word? Like almost clinical in how she's going about it. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of feeling but it has a look i guess maybe she's going for something and so you know she's she's just throwing him down on the bed she's given him no time to lock the door Mm -hmm. and of course three people walk in no knocking no waiting just three guys walking in one holding the computer Mm-hmm. Guy's got the computer, and the two guys behind him are just there in spirit. <laughs> Not sure why all three of them needed to charge into the room at the same time, but yeah, it, it, chaos ensues. No, Felicity is upset that Noel didn't lock the door, which she really never gave him any time to do. Yeah, that's not on him. That's definitely not on him. Uh, and then something gets knocked over the candle gets knocked over into the tree the whole tree lights up in flames the fire alarm goes off instantaneously oh there is no amount of like smoke to fire alarm takes 0.2 seconds (laughs) it's a very highly sensitive system (laughs) very much so yeah oh that was that was interesting to see how effective that was in an old building 
Yeah, and I do have an award for at this moment. Um, it is my award for the most optimistic phrase, mm -hmm. which comes from Noel, mid-fire. No, we can still do this. It'll be out in a sec. <laughs> Meanwhile, even if it, even if that were true, even if magically the fire just went out on its own in a couple of seconds and didn't light anything else up in the process, the alarm's still going off, and there are still three other people in the room. <laughs> in the room. <laughs> yep. And there are about to be more because people are going to start evacuating from the building, wondering where their RA is, and checking yep. in to see why there are all these people <laughs> at the door of Noel's room. So that was wishful thinking that was unfounded. Yes. Um, but fortunately, one of the guys who broke in was a volunteer firefighter, and he's able that's to put it out. True. I mean, you know, anyone who was able to read and pick up a, a fire extinguisher could have done it, but he had he had the forethought. He had his wits about him because mm -hmm. of his experience. And so we were lucky that he was there to put out the fire. I mean, compared to the other guy who just shouted fire at the top of his lungs. It feels like the volunteer firefighter guy was the most effective in the room. And all a guy could do was drop the computer again, you know? Yeah. It's pretty much his only contribution. So that didn't go so well. It wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, was not a successful first attempt. But I want to take a minute here to go off list okay. for a scene that I really enjoyed. So... I have pointed out, I think in every episode so far, how problematic Noel has been. And just with, with his words, with what the, the things he says, the uh, I have found him to be problematic. Okay. And for the first time, I actually saw him be really attractive, really sweet, and like, a good guy all at the same time. Oh. And I know. And it's I'm when, happy for you because this must have been a real I, blow to the confidence this first 10 episodes. It was because I thought I thought that I enjoyed Noel and I I have not so far except for this this one little not this one just this one scene but it's starting here with this scene. You know, he comes in Felicity can't even look at him. Uh -huh. And he's like, all right, you know, you, you were a little aggressive. And he's like, just look at me. And he's being really sweet. And she's like, I just wanted to get through it. And, you know, Noel is, he's trying to kind of connect with her and see what her feelings are and make this a good experience for her. And he is the person who's had a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You know, he this is not his first time. He's, you know, he's taking sort of the, I don't know, I probably is not the way we're supposed to say it today, but he he takes a 90s version of kind of the more masculine role of I, I think he's feeling more confident at that moment because she clearly had no idea what she was doing 
And so he's able to sit down and be the one to say, you know, I got us a room. We're not going to be disturbed. You know, we can go there and just make it special and romantic. And I thought that that was nice of him. Yeah, he's, you know, he's making a big step. He's got a room at the Wooster and he's helping her reschedule uh, and and being accepting of the situation and not dwelling on it. Well, he put his tongue back in his mouth and popped his eyes back in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he wasn't desperate in that moment. It was just a sweet moment. So I don't know. And the reality of it, too, is that, you know, she came back to him right at the start of, uh, you know, when she arrives back at school and she says to him definitively, I've decided we should have sex. And she doesn't sound at all questioning about it. She doesn't seem at all. um, I mean, he knows her well enough to know he probably should ask more questions. She doesn't have experience in this area. He he knows enough to know that about her, but she at the start of this episode is really putting up a confident front with him of I've made this decision. I'm moving forward with it. I'm ready. I've decided I'm ready. And from what happened on their first try becomes painfully obvious. She's it didn't go the way anybody (laughs) thought it would. And she was a different human in that room a human he's never seen and probably never wants to see again. It wasn't a comfortable experience for him even. So, I mean, those lockers must've been cold. And the hairbrush was spiky and she was just all over the place. I think, you know, maybe it's, maybe there are guys who want women to be assertive, but this was not that this was, this was like, you just happened to be here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm, this is my show and you're just here. Um, so yeah. And you will only be here for like maybe two and a half minutes at the pace we're going. Yeah. So pretty much right. There was no patience about it. He has been looking, he, he has been probably thinking about this and looking forward to this for a really long time. And that's not his experience he wanted either. And Mm -hmm. so he does need to slow things down here and she's not going to be able to do that on her own. She doesn't have this experience and he's, it's becoming painfully obvious to him. Well, and I don't know that they have had this conversation. I mean, we know that she likes Ben and she's talked about that, but we've never heard them have any conversations about sex and he thinks she is incredibly gorgeous and attractive. It could very well be that he doesn't think this is her first time, but let me tell you, after try one, he knows. Yeah. It's very, very clear. Yeah. And they have so much insecurity they're dealing with here. It's easy to forget that in the last episode, he was still panicked that she loves Ben and he saw her in the library with Ben and he thought that, you know, she blew him off to come here with Ben. And, you know, he has that whole blow up with her at the start of that episode. Uh, he's saying, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone, because he thinks that could be a thing, even though there's no indication that that could happen right now with where she's at. So 
even the last episode, there was so much uncertainty that he was feeling with this and they haven't labeled what they are still when she comes back to tell him, I've decided we're ready to have sex. They still don't even know what they are to each other at that Mm -hmm. point. They skipped over that conversation to have the let's have sex conversation. And I do like that by the end of this episode, they circle back around to the conversation they had meant to have, which was what are we to each other? Yeah, absolutely. That was deeply needed. It was. Um, So we have just a little mini interlude with uh, Javier where we get to learn that he does not believe in premarital sex, but he definitely wants details. Mm -hmm. So he will cover for Felicity and then they can, uh, they can try again. Mm -hmm. And, but only uh, he's only willing to cover because it's her first time. He starts by saying, you think it's a national holiday every time you get lucky because she's asking (laughs) if she can get off work. And he's like, Nope. But then he finds out it's her first time and that changes everything. Cause I mean, you know, Javier's a softy at heart Mm -hmm. and, uh, he wants it to be special, even though he's going to be slightly judgmental about it. And then he wants to hear everything about it later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that seems on brand. So we've gone through the reschedule. We've gone through the getting time off of work, which is really the second time she's had to get time off of work because she had, I think she was supposed to have a Dean and DeLuca shift the first time they had sex or was, were supposed to have sex. And yep. now uh, she's asking for time off again. So mm-hmm. there's that. But then they go for the next try. And I think this is where we really need to start unpacking another very important storyline that's unfolding simultaneously around Julian Ben. Yes. And this one, you know, in the last episode, was it the last episode where, yes, it was, where, you know, you we ended the episode with Ben on the phone with Felicity saying, you know what, I'm actually not going to go back to Palo Alto for the holidays. Uh, I'm going to stay here. And they show him sitting up in bed, having this conversation. He hangs up the phone. Then we watch him uh, lay back down on the bed and hug Julie, who's lying next to him. And you at the time were saying, "What you know, oh, wow, that's a thing. And in this episode, we're we're establishing a lot more about what's happening there. Or not happening in Mm. this case. Um, But I think we have to go back a little bit further if we're going to talk about the two of them, Mm -hmm. because I think it is important that Julie was able to tell her parents and get support there. So she's feeling that. I just wanted to clarify, I, I sort of got confused about this part. So Julie told her parents, I had the impression that she told them in person, but she didn't go back home. So what am I missing? Well, she says her dad hugged her. So she was only in Vermont for one week. So that leaves three other weeks that I guess, I mean, my assumption was she went home for at least part of it. Okay. So you're thinking that she went home for a little bit and just not the whole thing. Because she is from Maine. So uh, well, she is from Maine. So, but it's not Vermont, right? So I had well, thought well, that she stayed where. at school. She did. She said she was going to stay, but um, I, I mean, her plans clearly changed because she went to Vermont. So mm-hmm. with Ben with and, ben. you know, 
so yes, I, all of those things are important. Julie tells her parents that she was raped. And that was something that we know in the Thanksgiving episode, she really wanted to be able to tell them and wanted to be able to get their support and was afraid that they would look at her differently when she did tell them. And it sounds like they were really supportive that they did and said the right things or the things that felt the most right to her. And so she, she's answered that question for herself and started a whole new question of what this dynamic is with Ben. And so, you know, the first thing that we see coming back is Julie being really awkward with Felicity about talking about coming back to school because for Felicity, she is coming back to school. And for Julie, she's kind of been here and doing things she's not sure she's ready to tell Felicity about. Yes, Um, they are a little awkward. And she says that she doesn't sort of want to lie or admit, omit truth um you know but it it kind of grows throughout the episode we don't really find out as much and i like the way that they do that we get little bits and pieces of information you know we see uh them being awkward with each other we hear about julie's parents and then we get this wonderful scene between ben and sean Mm -hmm. that's all about julie's toothbrush yeah. And Sean just putting the label on it right there. You got a toothbrush, toothbrush equals living girlfriend. Correct. Um, but he, you know, she's been there enough and you can tell because she and Sean now have this sort of banter because she walks out and Sean says, looking for this. And he holds up the toothbrush and she says, nope, and keeps walking um but i did have a little bit of an issue here with sean uh-huh. what um, pray tell might have been your yeah. issue uh, you know it's one of those comparisons he's talking about julie like she's a real estate investment uh-huh. and you you know you get it when it's cheap i mean he didn't say that but then you build on it when the time is right it reminds me of how I met your mother and uh, the character is Barney, the guy, uh, the one that's played by Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. And he'll like go to the gym and he'll find girls who like aren't attractive enough yet, but they're at the gym. So he'll like be nice to them. So in the future, when they are in shape and attractive enough, then he can have sex with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not loving that, not loving that. I do want to, so this is a minor spoiler, but I think it's important to color how we're looking at Sean here. Sean does not at this point know that Julie was raped. He does not know that she was assaulted and he does not know that that, that's, I guess, why she's staying with Ben. She doesn't know that Ben's being in a, a more protector role than a boyfriend role. Ben has not told Sean that. Julie has not told Sean that. We don't know that at this point in the episode. That's going to be a conversation that comes up a little later. But I just don't want us to hate Sean on that level for this. Because, yes, it's still a very crude statement to be like, oh, yes, this girl is a real estate investment. She's, you know, the, the value is low right now, but it will climb. And you're getting in when the time is right. 
he's not saying that because she was sexually assaulted. And I, you know, they don't make that clear here, which might be unfair to that character. And so if anybody's watching the show for the first time, I, I don't know. I want to say that up front. Actually, that thought hadn't even crossed my mind okay, until you said it. <laughs> but you're right. It's a much worse statement if uh, if that's what he meant. But I, I don't know. From Sean's character, I can see him saying something sexist. But I, I don't know. I don't, wouldn't think he'd be that insensitive. I'm glad that it didn't cross your mind. I'm glad that it didn't come across that way. It puts a totally different spin on him if yeah. you do have that interpretation. And that's not something that we are supposed to be putting on that character, I think. They just didn't, they didn't write it in a way that made that clear. So uh, I don't know Sean well enough still. Yeah, yeah. But he's, we're certainly getting similar vibes from him every time we see him. He's not a delicate man. <laughs> he's, a, he's an oaf. He's an oaf. He's an oaf. Who we a will grow to love. Oaf, yeah. But an oaf nonetheless. An oaf nonetheless. That is a good way to explain him. And so this is unfolding with Julie and Ben. And Julie still hasn't been able to tell Felicity about it, even though Felicity runs into Julie right outside the counselor's office after she's gotten the demonstration on how to put a condom on a plastic model of something. And Julie's walking in because she is going to go talk with her counselor. She's presumably been having a bunch of these uh, sessions with the counselor to deal with her rape to deal with the budding relationship she has with Ben. And so they, they see each other right outside and Felicity tells Julie that she's planning to have sex with Noel. And she does so with trepidation because Julie just had this terrible sexual experience and she doesn't want to trigger Julie. And yet the conversation still comes out. You can see that Felicity feels relieved for having told Julie. Julie is very supportive. She's saying, just because I had this bad sexual experience with Zach doesn't mean you can't have a great first one with Noel. I think that was a lovely thing for her, a very generous thing for her to say. And Julie says nothing about Ben in that moment, and she's still really stewing on it. Yeah, I couldn't pay attention to that scene at all. Oh. Because Julie looked amazing. Oh. She had this like wonderful red scarf. She had this like fantastic black hat. She had her hair down. I mean, she really had everything in that moment. And then you pan over to Felicity. Oh, yeah. She's got her hat. Oh, the hat. The hat. I yeah. mean, oh, my goodness. Because we see Felicity later without it. And she looks good. I mean, you know, even with that scarf on, she still looked good. It was the hat. And I was so distracted and angry by whoever knitted it and colored it and then bought it and then put it on her head that I could not pay attention to the rest of that scene. Wow. Well, also, it goes to show that the person who was uh, the, the, the fashion I don't know, fashion designer. I don't know who, what, what it's called for shows, but the person who was the costume designer, the person who was dressing them clearly 
has never had curly hair because if you put a hat like that or really any hat on curly hair, your hair is like that for the rest of the day. It will be matted up top and then the curls will sort of poof around the side where the brim of the hat finished. And a hat like that, which is fabric, is going to create uh, like more of a, what's the word I want? Not a, like a fuzzy look, but it's, it's, it's going to jar the curls. <laughs> like it's going to start separating the curls. It's going to make it look more frizzy just in that section of your head. So why she would even wear this hat? I don't know. Maybe this is a personal feeling about hats that's coming out here. Uh, but it, I guess, didn't work on a lot of levels. I think, you know, here's, here we have a, a rant from fish about fashion and that's par for the course. I am mad at the sheep that grew the wool. Wow. That created that hat. His name was Phil and he's a friend of mine. <laughs> well, he's dead. <laughs> I apologize. He doesn't I, have I to be dead. Be lost. Well, for a show that's guess, like 20 years not. old, I guess he would. Like, but yeah, they just shear the sheep. They don't kill the sheep to get the wool. That would be awful. Awful for, for all of my friends like Phil. Um, <laughs> but this is you're taking a really bold statement about this you're angry at the sheep well i mean we both noticed the hat i'm just saying i didn't notice the hat that's unusual yeah. for me yeah well anyway so then julie takes her fabulous self over uh to talk to noel mm-hmm. about how she is she has been sleeping in the same bed every night and staying with Ben because he makes her feel safe, which is exactly what we saw at the, uh, at the end of drawing the line part two. Is that um, right? I think it was he, at the end of finally. Well, when, when Ben comes and has that conversation with oh, Julie, yeah. 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 And he makes her feel comfortable and safe and empowered enough to actually report Zach. Mm -hmm. And so she has two things going on here. One is she has latched onto him a bit for security during this time, and he's been there for it, and that's fine. But she's also, and I don't even to say developing feelings, because we know from the start that she and him at least had an initial spark. Yeah. So this is continuing to develop sort of around the obstacle that is Felicity. Mm -hmm. And so she says to Noel that she sleeps over because she feels safe and she feels like Felicity is gonna feel betrayed because she didn't tell her sooner And on the one hand, she might be a little upset, but really, that's not the main thing. And Noel is the one who really, even though Sean clearly stated it earlier, Noel is the one who clues Julian to what's actually going on. Yeah, you know, for Julie, this has all been innocent and Ben's been a good support up until this point. And Noel is the one to say, do you think there's any chance this 
is about to become something more than that. She's like, oh, think you're right. <laughs> now that you put it that way. And, you know, thank goodness for Noel having some presence of mind by the end of this conversation, because when she first comes in, he's just red alert. And again, I think this goes to show how vulnerable he is and how insecure he is about what he has with Felicity, because Julie's like, I want to talk about Felicity and Ben and Noel's eyes. You know, he's just like the what and the who, (laughs) why together did you name those names? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't mean them together. I mean, me and Ben and Felicity. And now he's like a threesome. (laughs) You could just see in his eyes. He's just like, make this unhappen. Make everything about the conversation go away. I'm, I have this appointment for eight o'clock on Wednesday that contradicts the thing you're saying to me right now. He doesn't know how to put it all together. And so somewhat quickly, but it took a little too long. Julie's able to deescalate that part to get to the conversation she's trying to have, which is what am I supposed to do about me and Ben? Which it is the thing about this episode that I find so interesting because the how is Felicity going to take this and the how Felicity actually took it is com- more complex than it seems on the surface. Are they worried about her because she still loves Ben or is Julie worried about her because Julie's worried about her and Ben and not sure where it's going and Felicity's an excuse. Um, and I think you can cover it the same way later when Felicity actually finds out. It's like, is she upset because she's obsessed with men or is she upset because Julie never told her about all this and how much of it is each piece of that? And I don't feel that I come away having total clarity. I don't know for sure that Felicity doesn't care about Ben and this reveal or if it's just you know, boy, I wish Julie would have said something. So it's hard to know how much of that concern is founded or just an excuse. Yeah, I noticed a number of the looks in this. And the first one I noticed was actually Ben's. When Julie says, I want to tell Felicity. Mm -hmm. And he says, why? (laughs) And says, you know, I just need to be honest with her. He says, okay, tell her. And then there's this silence where he kind of looks down. And to me, that read as this is going to be an issue when I don't really want to deal with it, but, you know, I'm willing to. So talk more about that. So when what your feeling was, he was thinking, oh, this is going to, this is going to be messy. Yes. What, in what way were, do you think that he was feeling that? That was he Felicity worried about likes it? him okay and and they are going to hurt her and it's going to cause drama and he just doesn't want to deal with any of that that's okay. a lot to read out of one expression but that's what i read he definitely had a look in that moment mm-hmm. yeah and then we see felicity's face when Noel says that Ben and Julie went to Vermont. And that look to me did read as shock mm-hmm. and a little jealousy okay. and sadness. So 
I don't know if it was hurt exactly, but but a sadness in a way that it wasn't quite um, like I love him and it's breaking my heart, but like a little bit of a loss, which she talks about later. Mm-hmm. I, f- I actually felt that in her expression. Okay. And I did think her face fell, uh, just like Noel said that it would. And I think that, you know, Felicity throughout this episode has been going on, and really throughout most of the episodes, has been thinking things through a lot and not connecting so much with her feelings. Where I feel like Julie feels things a lot and doesn't always connect them with, you know, an analysis of those feelings. Mm -hmm. And what we see in this episode is those sort of two opposites, those polar opposites begin to come together and things work out better when they actually start doing both feeling and thinking. So in the scene with Noel, Julie goes from just a bunch of feelings, safe, not really sure what's happening, know probably has feelings for Ben but she hasn't put it all together mm-hmm. and Noel kind of helps her do that and then you've got Felicity on the other side who has thought everything through uh, and Noel is is making her in the moment that he's talking about Ben really try to pull out what her feelings are both yeah. about Ben and him and so there's just a lot more clarity and somehow Noel is the bringer of this clarity. I mean, I didn't think he was a great RA up until now. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't after, you know, the tree explosion as well. But mm-hmm. in in the case of these two women in this episode, he has been the driving force, I think, of, um, of them being able to move forward in their relationships in a positive way. I do think for Julie, though, there's another factor, which is Julie's counselor. And that person, although we haven't seen those sessions, has been an important force for Julie to process what she's feeling as well. Um, Julie and Ben have an almost kiss moment as we're seeing the second seduction attempt uh, about to happen. And Felicity ends up calling Julie right at the moment to interrupt what would have been a kiss, Ben leaves the room. And later Ben and Julie are going to have a conversation about that. And she says, you know, I tell my therapist that I don't just want to be that girl who runs into some guy's bed anytime I'm dealing with something. And the therapist said, Ben's not just some guy though. And that seems to ring true for Julie. It obviously makes her pause and investigate that a little bit more. And it helps move Julie forward in the conversation with Ben because she's able to sort of say, I think there's more to this. I don't know what it is. I need to take it slow. And Ben agrees to it. Um, God bless him. He does take it slow. And that's beautiful kiss that they have. Um, It actually is. I will admit, I I think that's the best kiss of the show so far. Aha. Yep. Yep. And, uh, because it, it, not necessarily because of Ben, but Julie kind of like, you know, 
grabs his lip a little bit, which is very, very sexy. Mm-hmm. And we have this great song on in the background, Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., mm-hmm. which makes zero sense to be in the background of a, of a kiss, mm-hmm. right? That, that makes no sense whatsoever, but it's a beautiful song. So the kiss just sort of, you ignore the lyrics and you get into it. It's like, that's such a great kiss. And then Noel singing along with the song mm-hmm. just ruins the mood, but also is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's meant to be hilarious. I do think they saved the sweet part for for Ben and Julie, but, you know, in this piece with Noel, what we're getting here is a diegetic song. So, you know, it starts as what we think is background song. And then we realize Noel's listening to it in his room and singing to it in the darkness, lying on the floor. Uh, He's not feeling good about what just unfolded with Felicity. Basically attempt number two at the Wooster has failed yet again. And he believes that it failed because Felicity is obsessed with Ben. It may be true. It may not be true. It's hard to pause for just a moment. So earlier, was it, was it the word variable that you weren't sure was a word? Yes. uh, Variability. Could have been variability. Yeah. And did you just use the word diegetic? I sure did. What the heck does that mean? Okay. That means, that means it's, it's occurring in the, it's not just background music. It's not just, just a montage. It's a song that's actually playing in the scene that the character is in some way reacting to singing along to, or commenting on. So it's, you know, if a character is actually listening to something on the radio, or if they're actually listening to, in this case, he's listening to maybe a mixtape or he's listening to a CD um, it's a song that's really playing for the characters. Wow. Just wow. You like that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that, I'm, that's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes that's how I make my, uh, that's how I make my living. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they pay you the big bucks. They pay, pay me the big bucks here on this podcast. <laughs> Throw out words like diegetic. And then I just sit back. Yep. And just, wait let you do some heavy lifting and I'll come back in at some point. I've said diegetic. That's all you need from me, folks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But that was, you know, the beauty of that song. Noel's just a bleeding heart, just singing that song. And Elena bursts into the room to interrupt him because she thinks that this is completely unnecessary. This meltdown that he's having. I don't know that it is completely unnecessary. I think his instinct that there's a threat here is, you know, if what you were seeing was Felicity's face drop when she realized that Julie and Ben spent time in Vermont together, well, then there's something to it, but Felicity has certainly had Noel on the mind for most of this episode. Yes, but laying in the dark, singing with singing along to REM is not going to help. So I agree, completely unnecessary. He is wallowing. It is unattractive. And Elena looks amazing in that headband. 
She looks amazing in that headband. I'll just stop down a little bit longer on the point of Elena disrupting his thoughts because she says a great line. You're obsessed by the idea that she's obsessed. Yep. Cyclical and confusing, but it makes total sense for what's happening in this series. Yeah, that was a great line. But we have skipped the whole second try. Mm-hmm. So Felicity, as you said, she's in the bathroom. There's a phone. Mm-hmm. She's going to call Julie and flush the toilet. So, I mean, this is something that today we all, you know, mute our phones uh, as we're going to the bathroom so that other people don't hear us. But back then, it was a sign of status to be able to hear somebody flush the toilet in the middle of your conversation. Yeah, if you've got a phone in the bathroom, you're going places. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and the booster. this was a great, um, what's the word I want? Hey, cords on phones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the really amazing things now the experience we have is the, can you hear me now? You lose reception. If you go to some areas, that's your deal. Back in the day, you could go as far away from the phone as your cord would let you go. Yeah. And you had that radius to work within and that was it. So, you know, you better get comfortable if you didn't have a cordless phone, you better get comfortable somewhere where the cord could reach. And hopefully that wasn't a place where people couldn't hear you. And, you know, you're, so we got to see those phones on both Felicity and Julie's sides. We did. Um, but the other thing that was interesting is all the phones were on the same line. Mm-hmm. So you could be in the kitchen And as long as you didn't hang up the phone in the kitchen, if you had a phone in your bathroom, you could say, hold on a minute, walk to your bathroom, pick up the phone, keep having the conversation, flush the toilet to show that you're amazing and rich and powerful, Mm -hmm. and then say, hold on, hang the phone back up just in the bathroom, walk back to the kitchen and just keep talking. So, you know, it's not all bad. You could be anywhere in your house that there was a phone. There was that option. And it also allowed for different movies and TV shows, often ones that involve stalkers or scary people to Mm -hmm. be able to pick up or parents who were trying to observe what their kids were doing. It gave you the opportunity to have scenes where somebody was having an important conversation that they didn't want anybody else to hear. And somebody else in another room would pick up the receiver on their side and listen without telling anybody. Although usually if somebody did that, you could kind of hear the moment where they picked up. Yeah, there's a little click. Yeah. So you got to be, hey, characters and shows, you got to be listening for that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's my tip to you. You're welcome. For all those shows out there that were filmed 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. This is a way too late going forward. You you recognize that. I only Um, give tips that are useless. I mean, and say diegetic. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I That's got. Why you're, why you're here. Yep. Um, so maybe it's just me, but the bathroom was nice. The flowers were nice, but that bed. It was and weird, room, right? Yes. That was not a sexy hotel room. It had no it was, headboard. <laughs> well, it had these tiny little legs. It, it, it was like very 50s, like, 
modern furniture. I don't okay. I don't know what was going on. Okay, but well, we all saw it. I was like, what kind of bed is that? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not the one huh. she lost her virginity on. Thank so goodness. you can do better, uh, Well, I mean, do you mean then Noel, since he picked then it out? Then the bed. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So then Noel is nervous again mm-hmm. and they get on the bed and they, you know, they're trying to go slow and Felicity's in her head. She just, she, I'm going to say it for the, the second time, but I'm just, I'm going to have to say it again. Felicity needed to shut up. Uh-huh. I couldn't handle it during that scene. I've just written shut up in my notes with an exclamation point. Uh-huh. Just look, you're either going to do it or you're not, but figure it out and stop talking. She's nervous. And I think this is a clue that she's not ready. And I don't feel like she was nervous. I feel like Noel was nervous. She was just distracted. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there was a cooling off period and they just don't, even when they get into the room, they still seem both very awkward with each other. And yeah. it's like, we know we're in this room for one reason. And I feel like there's a complete lack of chemistry from them in this moment, not as the actors, but as like a oh, this is what we're here for, sort of dawning realization. It it really felt like a heaviness to me when they walked in. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, with Noel especially, and guys in general, it doesn't take that much, right? Like, he could have powered through. Mm-hmm. But he was not doing what he needed to do to get her in the mood. Mm-hmm. There, there was, I mean, he was trying a little bit with the kissing, but he, he wasn't doing enough. And so she was thinking about something else. I mean, if, if, I don't know, maybe he had tried something else, then things would have gone differently, but. I don't know. I mean, they get into the room and she goes straight for the mini bar. You know, she then she goes to the bathroom to have a conversation with Julie. Which um, is fine. That's all pre making out, pre, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he says, why don't we try some champagne? I mean, that helps, you know, calm everyone down, have a few drinks, like maybe play some music, dance together. Like he's got to get her out of her own head and mm-hmm. into the moment. He's got to get her to stop thinking and start feeling. Yeah. And I think this is, it might be one indication that she's not ready because if she starts feeling and what she feels ends up being, I'm not ready, then that's what's going to come out. But he's willing to chance that. And I do think he puts himself out there a lot in this episode. And, you know, when he this insecurity that he has around Ben comes up, he actually is willing to just, you know, stop it and and say, I don't, I don't want this. When you have feelings for Ben, I think he says, I don't know if it was 
is it now or later where he says i don't want to be the rebound guy he says i don't want to be the rehearsal rehearsal and she says you're not the rehearsal but he already saw in her face what he needed to see so her denying it is just lip service it's not what's in her heart he thinks that when her face fell when he told her that ben and julie had gone to vermont together he thought that face falling was his sign that he is indeed the rehearsal for when she can be with the unrequited nightmare (laughs) then well at the time it would be the requited nightmare at that point it would be the requited nightmare um maybe that means it's a dream i don't know but (laughs) it's hard to say it's all one big philosophical question but yeah i think that no you know even his his effort to get her like in the mood was her saying that's a pretty great bathroom and he's like this is a pretty great bed and she's like uh okay and she sort of sidles over but it's awkward it's it's just super super awkward really awkward and yeah this just didn't ever feel like it was going to happen to me in this second try and it didn't no and you figure i mean he's had a girlfriend for two years he knows what it takes and his girlfriend isn't exactly you know, a sex pot, like she's a bit reserved herself. So mm-hmm. you would think he would kind of know something. Yeah. I mean, he knew enough to bring booze. Yeah. But, you know? I mean, I think so coming out of this conversation, though, I think was interesting to me because we get a scene where Felicity pretty much releases Julie to have her relationship with Ben. And I think that was an important thing for Felicity to do. I guess your mileage may vary on how and how much she's really let go of Ben. I don't know, because if you think that you saw disappointment in her face earlier in the episode, I don't know what you make of this scene. If you think that she really meant that before, the scene seems a lot more straightforward. But... I don't think it was disappointment. I think it was a feeling of loss. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what she talks about later when she says, I was just holding on to this crush and I was scared to let it go mm-hmm. because it put everything else in jeopardy. And it, I do think there was a little pain probably associated with that loss, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a heartbreak. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't this devastated look that she would have had on her face if you know she didn't want to be with Noel and she was completely obsessed with Ben Mm -hmm. I mean it was something but it wasn't to that degree Mm -hmm. and I love the scene where because at, at earlier in the episode Julie and Felicity are sitting together and Ben walks in and says hi and then he goes and sits somewhere else and I thought to myself why isn't he sitting with them? Mm-hmm. That's weird. But then we see this, you know, moment in the episode where Felicity actually, you know, gives him her seat, which is kind of giving them her blessing mm-hmm. and then walks away. So I see why, like, there's this juxtaposition that they did for a reason. But it did strike me earlier that if the three of them were friends, why don't they just all sit together? Yeah. Seems like they've never all sat together in their classes. Yeah. 
Oh. And always sits and separately. Always, yeah, it's weird. No. What, who can explain this? I don't know. Why would he do this? One of the mysteries Listeners? has been. <laughs> Listeners, we're asking you. Mm -hmm. Is this something you observe? Three friends? One always sits somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but maybe there's just been too much awkwardness to this point. Um, because, well, we'll get to that in a second, but we head from this scene into another wrap it with a bow scene with Felicity and Noel. Yes. I just want to point out there are so many post-it notes on her door. So many. So many. This girl's got to read her post-its. Well, and they're going to fall all over the place. That was so. what post-its did. They fell. It was their job. It's a terrible system. My job is using words like diegetic and variability. <laughs> and post-its job is to fall off of things and become not sticky anymore. Yep. They, well, it really was not the way to go. Yeah. But anyway, so they make it through the post-it note covered door. Yeah. They do. And to thank goodness, because they get to have a conversation once they get past the post-its. Which is a conversation that needed to happen at the beginning of the episode. It was the conversation they were asking at the last episode that never got answered. And that question is, hey, what are we to each other? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to put a pause on this sex issue. We're not quite there. Or at least Felicity says, I'm not quite there. But then they clarify what they are to each other, which is boyfriend and girlfriend. And Felicity yeah. tells us that Noel is her first boyfriend. Which I get they that she had already decided they were going to have sex. And this is a completely irrational thing for me to be thinking. But it seemed really soon for him to be the, a boyfriend. Um, I don't know. I. It, hmm. I feel like they should have gone out on more than that one awkward date where she wore like a business button down <laughs> shirt and he told her that he had a girlfriend. Um, uh, I mean, I get that that's not how it works in college, but I don't know. It was a little weird to go from two failed attempts at sex to now you're my boyfriend. Um, yeah, but I think they've had, there's more to their relationship than dates. You know, they've been, it is, but not romantic. I mean, there've been the kisses, but outside of those specific kisses, I haven't seen moments other than the one in this episode where, you know, Noel is saying that he got a room for them of romantic intimacy, like holding hands, brushing hair away from someone's face, touching your shoulder. I mean, Ben's gotten further with Felicity just by like squeezing her arm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they have had a handful of make or a few makeouts at this point. So that was a romantic thing for them. I, they, they're very close in terms of talking to each other. I think they're almost sort of live in boyfriend, girlfriend at this point. And, you know, they haven't necessarily gone on a lot of dates, but I don't know that. I don't know. I feel like people who dated in college, it depended on sort of how much money you had and where you would go. There are people who had dates like in their rooms and there are people who went out. And I think it's really depend. There, I saw a lot of different things called dates, I guess, um, in college. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they're, they, they live with each other. And I guess they went on a date in the stacks of the library. Yeah. I mean, they've got, 
they've, they've certainly had a relationship. I think it's okay for them to say boyfriend, girlfriend. I, I mean, they're I going to I anyway, wish. whether we like it or not, frankly. That's true. Um, they, it's already been done. I just happened. wish there were more moments between Felicity and Noel, like there are between Ben and Julie. Because Ben and Julie yeah. sit on, like, just laying on the bed next to each other with him reading uh, Walt Whitman mm-hmm. and the way that she looks at him and just that small, intimate, up-close camera shot. It, it feels right. And everything about Felicity and Noel does not feel right at this point. I guess. Well, I think we're going to get more of those moments with with Felicity and Noel. It just so happens it's going to come after they've called each other boyfriend and girlfriend. But I do think that what you're pointing out here is why of the feedback that we've gotten so far, quite a number of people have said they always saw Noel as a friend more so than a romantic interest. And I think it's probably because we've had this setup over the course of these first uh, 10, 11 episodes where they're calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Now we've had these makeout scenes, but have they had these moments of intimacy beyond that? It's probably where for some people it comes apart, but this is where I want to throw this one back to the listeners because we have gotten our, our missive. We've gotten our summary of the Ben and Felicity relationship. And I'd love to see what people think about Nolan Felicity, I know that there are a lot of people out there who love Nolan Felicity together. And I'd love to hear from you about why, like what, what, um, what were the things that really sold you on their relationship? We would love to know about that and really be able to fold that in here and look for those things. Yeah. And I actually saw a comment on, on Instagram where someone didn't think either of them were right for her. Oh yeah. So Love to hear really any version of your thoughts on that, on mm-hmm. why any of them would be good or not good together. Yeah, I think that's fair also, because um, there are other men in the show that you may have thought were better matches. So, or maybe none of them. Maybe you're thinking nobody's is good enough for Felicity. What are we doing here? Getting these people involved in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like they're all also rants, every single one of them. Um, yeah, so that would be interesting. I thought it was funny though, on the very closing scene, as we get that, uh, the voiceover from Sally, we get the music and you see Noel and Felicity in the cafeteria getting their food in line. And then they go and they're looking for their seat. Where should we sit? Where should we sit? They're scanning the room They're Where should we sit? And then they look and directly in front of them is a table with only Ben and Julie and like four other seats free and nobody else at it. Why wasn't it obvious? Like if you don't sit at that table, which is directly in front of you, what are you doing to your friendships? (laughs) What's happening? This should not have been hard to decide. Fortunately, Felicity and Noel do the only thing they should do, which is sit at the table. And they have this whole interchange where it's like, 
they're like, you can see them saying like, can we sit down here? And Matt and Julie are like, well, yeah, of course there's like a lot of seats and we know you and there's nobody else here. And so they sit down and then Blair and Elena come up and they sit down and we, we close on this beautiful scene of these three couples together at the table, which fortunately that's what happened because had, you know, Felicity and Noel sat somewhere else, it would have just been so weird. Well, I mean... I'm just surprised that Ben would sit with them and he doesn't just get up and go sit at another table. Yeah. That's the weirdest part of all of it. Huh? Yeah. We, the thing we didn't cover here, I don't think we gave enough airtime to the Blair and Elena storyline. Yes. Cause that was beautiful. <laughs> it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to fully admit I didn't know what, Blair gave her. I mean, he comes up and he has a nice bag. He's got a present for Elena. And of course, she's suspicious. She's like, what'd you do? Um, he's like, I'm just giving you a present. So she, I feel like Elena, even though she's retained her her cynical self, and I love that about her, she's also starting to soften when uh-huh. it comes to him. And He gives her this present that is stretchy and sort of tube-like and made of maybe fabric. Mm -hmm. And she does not know what it is, but she pretends she does and says she loves it. Mm -hmm. But she says says things first, like, so stretchy. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I just saw it and I thought, so Elena. She's like, "It, it, it is. It's so me. Mm-hmm. And these are the words we get, and we know they're setting up for a big problem here—a yep. <laughs> very big little problem, which is the smallest piece of nylon lycra, or whatever that is. And nobody knows what that is. It is really hard to define what this item of probably clothing could be. Yeah, but Elena makes a, a bold choice. Uh, to wear it as a skirt. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Blair. Not many people could have pulled that off. It was a very mini skirt. I'll tell you that much. Very. So. Turns yeah. out though, it was a headband. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which also looked very nice on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that she. She looks at it and it is clearly way too small for any part of her body that should be going in it. And, you know, she's like, is it a skirt? Is it a top? (laughs) I feel like she could have worn that any way she wanted and Mm -hmm. it would have looked amazing. Yeah. So I I hate her a little bit because of that, but just a little because I also love her. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just a brilliant, you know, as you've got all these other storylines happening with much more deep-seated questions to be answered, you've just got Elena running around saying, what is this <laughs> to people? There's this conversation with Felicity, like, what do you think this is? What, how do I wear this? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, is it a top? Uh, yeah, it's so great. And then she makes a bold choice and it's the wrong choice, but also right. Ah, uh, it's so wrong, it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much where it lands. Well, I think, you know, you've had your chance to rant about hats 
you stay true to form as a cynic and you are mostly cynical about the clothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mostly judgmental about the clothing. I'm cynical about many other things. Well, also you were cynical about sheep or just specifically the one, Phil. Phil, bane of my existence. Oh my goodness. Well, I have a note from an optimist this time, and I think this is the story I want to tell from this episode, which relationship stuff, regardless of what relationship stuff we're talking about, I think it's generally better when everybody's ready. It's a lot more satisfying when that happens. I think that's true both of the whole when do you have sex or when do you kiss? Or I think that's true of all that. I think that's true of when you decide to call each other boyfriend or girlfriend or decide if you're going to be exclusive or if it's going to be an open relationship, like whatever it's going to be. I think that having conversation, deciding it together and feeling right about it and ready about it on all sides, it's usually where things are going to be the most satisfying across the board. And I do like in this episode that while we chase around a whole bunch of characters for the beginning of this episode who are not living in that world, or they don't know what they want, they don't know how to communicate it, they're going after things that they're not ready for. But by the end of the episode, I feel like these pairs are having conversations that are more open their feelings and their thoughts are lining up a little bit more. They're able to communicate them. And you have a sense that that six sitting together at the table at the end are in a moment that's a little bit healthier for all of them where they know what they're doing at that table. So, yeah, I think if I'm thinking optimistically, that idea that it's not just about what you think you should be doing, but what are you ready to do? What do you feel is right? That's where the good stuff happens in a relationship. I agree. You uh, you always have so much wisdom. Yeah, you got that and diegetic. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Burned it on those two things. And variable. And also sharing, apparently, this amazing friendship with Phil. <laughs> I'm not jealous. I'm upset that you thought that initially, or you didn't think it, but you said like that sheep need to be killed. (laughs) I found that shocking and upsetting, Um, but we've cleared it up guys. It's okay. No (laughs) sheep were harmed. I think in the making of whatever it was, Felicity was wearing on her head. All right. (laughs) I'm not happy about this. Well, why don't we look at, you know, we have a tape from Sally at the end. So why don't we look at what Sally said and and what she really meant? Are you ready for that one, Fish? I am. All right. So as per usual, everybody, we have our segment here where we talk about what Sally said in her tape. But Fish knows what she really meant to say. Here's how it goes. So she says, dear Felicity. I can't stop thinking about your last tape and how you must be feeling. There are a lot of well decisions to be made when you're going to have sex for the first time and they can get a little complicated. So I just want to give you a few ideas and really try to make things a little more simple for you. So let's start with choosing the condoms. You've got latex, plastic or lambskin. 
After that, you look at how it's lubricated, whether it's spermicide coated, and whatever texture you think you might like. All that anticipation and uncertainty, all that wondering what it's going to be like. Then you've got all kinds of choices, like novelty choices. Glow in the dark, flavored, studded or textured, warming. My first time, I was a freshman at Brown. There are pleasure shaped, colored, census condoms with quick strips, which is basically like a condom that's a Band-Aid, a lot easier to pull off. There's Kiss of Mint. I met this guy at a party. French tickler, tingling pleasure, edible. I'm not sorry about that night. It's just, I now know something I didn't know then. There's best overall, which I would say are Trojan extended pleasure condoms, best for people with a penis, crown condoms, best for people with a vagina, Trojan her pleasure sensation condoms, best for penile vaginal sex, Trojan fire and ice condoms, best for anal sex, Sky Elite extra lubricated condoms, best for oral sex, one flavor waves assorted flavored condoms, best flavored condoms, directs tropical flavored condoms, best textured condoms, Trojan ultra ribbed premium lubricated condoms, best warming condoms, Trojan charged lubricated condoms, most prolonging condoms, Durex performance intense condoms, best sensitivity condoms, Durex invisible ultra thin condoms, best for average fit, mono micro thin condoms, that our best decisions, the ones we never regret, come from listening to ourselves, which is exactly what you've done. Best for a snug fit, Glide Slim Flit Premium Condoms. Best for a large fit, Trojan Magnum Condoms. Best for sex toys, Durex Pleasure Pack Condoms. Best latex condoms, Lifestyle Ultra Sensitive Condoms. Best non-latex condoms, Skin Selection Condoms. Best for sensitive skin, Durex Extra Sensitive Condoms, Best Lubricated Condoms, Trojan ENZ Condoms, Best for the Environment, Glide Condoms, Best Custom Fit, I1 Perfect Fit Condoms, Best Internal Fit, FC2 Female Condoms, Best Dental Dam, Crosstex 19100 Dental Dam, Best Spermicidal Condoms, Trojan Ultra Rib Spermicidal Condoms, Best Finger Cot, First Aid Only Nitrile Finger Cots. And why, no matter what you decide, you should feel very proud. So really, it's quite simple. Just pick one. It's up to you. Stay safe and have fun. Huh. Well, I have learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, Sally wanted to give her uh, just a couple of the many, many, many options that are out there today. I guess so, huh? Yeah. I mean, more than the guy had in his box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to just go fishing around in the health services box. Um, yeah. There's some major decisions to make here. Uh-huh. I mean, I assume Felicity will use a spreadsheet. Felicity. Spreadsheets were even, a, well, I guess spreadsheets were a thing. Yeah. I mean, she could have written it down on graph paper. Mm-hmm. There could be color coding involved. I mean, she might come up with a binder. Yeah. Well, 
this is something to be decided. And that's what Sally wanted to inform her of this week. So, uh, you know, I love it. The, um, you know, a lot of times we have our, after you listen to this tape, you have to erase it segment. There was nothing in particular that felt appropriate for this specific episode, but if you do have any feedback you'd like to share for Felicity fan art, we had somebody who shared something recently that was awesome. We posted that to our Instagram. Um, it was based on the episode spooked and we loved that one. So if you have anything you want to share with us, you can reach us at the at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L two S's, the Melissa fish at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at Felicity podcast. And for those who are interested to be informed when we drop a new episode, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes and you can get an email when our next episode comes out. And the next episode uh, will be entitled friends, by the way, which is one that we're looking forward to. But Fish, I think this is a good time to go back and just rate the episode in general, decide what we thought about it. I'll go first on this one, give you a moment to think about it. I I decided to rate this one in headbands. Oh, I thought uh, I thought you were going to go with um, blood donor cards. Could have been. Uh, oh. There's just always so many options to choose from. But this time I went with headbands and... Uh, I went with 8.8 out of 10 headbands for this episode. Got a lot of information out, uh, which sometimes it felt a little too much for me, but I understand what they were trying to do here. Um, I think they stayed funny and light in this episode, but they were also sort of tackling some important story, uh, moving forward of the story plot lines as we were going through. So they did some heavy lifting, but they also had some humor in it. So overall 8.8 out of 10 headbands for me. Nice. Well, I am going to fully embrace what we have said multiple times, which is we can do whatever we want here. Mm -hmm. And I am going to give the, the episode Minus the scene between Felicity and Noel, where he's being sweet and he's telling her that he's got a room for them. So I'm going to take that scene out Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give the rest of the episode like a six. I, this wasn't my favorite episode. Um, There were a few moments that I liked and I thought were funny, but there was a lot of there was a lot of awkwardness that I feel just didn't didn't land for me. Um, I didn't feel much during most of the episode. Uh, so yeah, and then I'm gonna take that one scene and I'm gonna give that a ten mm-hmm. because I love that scene. Okay, so my ratings are six and also 10. I see what you're saying. All right. So that's where we landed on this one. And I don't know, is there anything else you wanted to say about this episode fish before we close out? Nope. I think we have covered it. Covered a lot of ground here and we are excited to hear what you all think about it too, but that's it for today. Right? So until next time, fish don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone.